Well, we're all wondering what the future of horticulture will bring, what the future of gardening will mean. And today's guest is, well, she's kind of a futurist. She's a marketing expert and she specializes in horticulture. Leslie Finical Halleck is hard to describe. She has written hundreds of articles for local and national publications. She is a certified professional horticulturist who specializes in organic vegetable gardening, edible landscaping, ornamental plants, and urban backyard livestock. She earned a master's in science from Michigan State University. Leslie held the position of curator of plants and then director of horticulture research at the Dallas Arboretum and Botanical Garden. In 2005, she became the general manager for North Haven Gardens, an innovative independent garden center in Dallas, Texas. She has traveled the world studying rainforests and formal gardens alike. Leslie is totally immersed in the world of social media. She writes a blog, Grow Lively, Adventures in Urban Organic Gardening, and has appeared in YouTube videos. In January 2013, she launched Halleck Horticultural, her current full-time gig, and I'm happy to welcome Leslie Halleck to Ken Drew's Real Dirt. Well, that was a fabulously nice introduction. Thank you. <laughs> I, I had to narrow it down, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> well, okay, so what's Halleck Horticultural? Well, that's that's me, essentially, I guess. Um, uh, essentially, what it is, is is my full-time independent business now where I've taken the last 20 years of my experience in the horticulture industry, sort of run the gamut of, of many different facets of the industry. And I got to a point where I really felt like I could take all of those experiences and uh, branch out to help other businesses in the industry really um, do a better job of, of telling their story and communicating who they are and what they do uh, to the to the home homeowners of America, to the gardening public, um, in order to increase perception of value, in order to to better teach people what it is that we do and why they should value it. So, wow, <laughs> that's what I do. Uh, okay, so if you had a magic wand mm -hmm. and you could uh, order up all the tools you would like to have to do that, to to increase the perception or change the perception, how would you do that? How would you go? Well, how are you going about? Well, doing that? you know, I'm I'm all about walking the talk. So, you know, to me, authenticity is key. So, for those of us in the industry or for those of us interested in gardening, you really have to put your money where your mouth is, and you have to be active in the pursuit. So, you can't just talk about it; you have to do it. So, I really feel like, um, you know, living by example, teaching by example is what you have to do. So, if you're someone in the industry. And you're teaching about vegetable gardening. You have to be vegetable gardening. You know, mm -hmm. if you want people to embrace front yard gardening like I do, you know, uh, which I really feel builds uh, community, you know, getting people out in the front yards, growing uh, food and ornamentals together, you have to physically do that. So, you know, from a personal standpoint, I get out there and I do it um, so that I can, can teach by example. And I think that businesses need to do the same thing. You really have to walk your talk and then you have to really find all of those ways to engage people. And that's why I'm so immersed in social media um, because it is, you know, it is the now and it is the future and it is how we communicate. So, um, you have to get your hands dirty, uh, and you have to be willing to educate, um, and then you have to really uh, show and live by example. And I, I, I think that that personal philosophy translates very well to a business setting, as it did for me at North Haven Gardens. That was very successful with that approach. 
So I'm, I'm now looking to translate that um, into other businesses in the green industry. Hmm. Uh, could you make up a hypothetical situation, maybe not with a garden center? What kind okay. of? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, for example, I'm actually working with an array of businesses. So I have uh, an organic tree care company. I have a landscaping company. I work with a retail garden center. So I'm actually working with businesses a a across the, the range of what you would call green industry. I call it green industry because I feel like here in gardening, we're the original green industry. So mm -hmm. we need to embrace that word green and own it. Um, but that can be uh, businesses that that, that specifically take care of trees or do landscape design or sell retail. So I think that working together is very important across these businesses. But so, so for example, um, tree care, not real flashy, right? Mm -hmm. not, 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 not necessarily something that really grabs people's attention, but this company in particular provides organic services, which is, which is unique and, and I think very attractive to a lot of people these days. Um, people don't necessarily understand tree physiology or proper arbor care. It's not really something that occupies a lot of their, their time. You know, they don't think it's not interesting really to No, and people, people usually call when there's an emergency. Right. And they call the guy down the street with a chainsaw, which is the absolute wrong thing to do. Right. But mm -hmm. people don't know any better and they're not educated about it. So my mission for this particular company is to really is to use social media, blogging in particular, um, and then disseminating that information around all of their social media platforms to teach people about seasonal signals, things they should be looking for in their trees, um, how you need to feed your trees, um, you know, proper care and pruning, uh, prevention for storm damage. There's, there's any array of things that are just not in the normal day-to-day -day thought process. But if you can engage people and get them reading a little bit, then you can differentiate yourself as a business and differentiate the services that you can provide. And with that will come a sense of value. But you have to educate people. How, how, do, how do they connect and how could a company connect with the market? Well, Especially in, you're talking about local people. Absolutely. Well, and, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll, I'll grab that word local and I'll run with it because I really feel like that we garden and landscape on a local level. You know, there's a lot of focus on, well, how do we get, you know, nationally, how do we grab people's attention and, and, and engagement nationally? And I feel like part of the struggle there and why it may not be as successful as those of us in the industry want us to be yet is that we garden and landscape on a local level. You know, conditions are so different, you know, here in Texas, <laughs> you know, please, you know, city to city, an hour away, you're a different zone. I mean, you've got um, huge ranges of climate, soil, you know, you what, what works for us in Dallas does not work, you know, an hour north in McKinney or certainly not out in Odessa. So you have to focus locally on the local conditions and needs initially. You know, so you have to you have to really focus locally. Um, and then I think that if you focus locally and regionally and then professionals in the industry can come together collectively to make that push, I think that that's a that's a better approach. But but focusing local um, on the needs of the homeowners and the gardeners um, in your area and pushing your education from a local standpoint is really key. Well, is there a, a public relations component? Because if they have a blog and nobody sees it, that doesn't sure. do any good. Well, I like to look at it from this perspective. I, you sort of have a home base for content, right? Sort of your hub of content. And I like to do that with a blog. So the blog is where you can provide a little extra information. You can go into a little more detail and have some great photos, you know, keep people up to speed. But then you need to use all of your social media platforms, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and use pieces of that information and disseminate it across those platforms so that you get the broadest spectrum of exposure that you can. 
Um, and, and, and I also believe that providing on-site education, uh, doing cross-promotional events with other local green industry businesses is a great way to get the word out. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing those kind of activities and utilizing social media with consistency, mm. you know, then that can be effective. But I think that is the biggest struggle for most small businesses in our industry, which most businesses in our industry are small businesses, um, is having the time and the resources to really commit to content and commit to really engaging on social media platforms. It's hard. Well, I don't know how it is in Dallas. Uh, I imagine because you have such a long season, people are a little more interested in gardening. A lot of the people I meet who are in the business, and I don't mean sure. the box stores, I mean the right, right. little the real business. <laughs> yeah, well, but <laughs> yeah. It, it, and maybe it's going to change. But I, in the last, I guess, five years, I've seen so many small nurseries close. Yes. And those people just never wanted, they would never change. And the idea of, you know, if you t- t- say, take out an ad, that's like, unhurt, forget it. We're not taking that. Or have more than 10 shrubs. <laughs> they, right. Well, and that's just... the problem. You have to adapt. Okay. You know, in today's uh, environment, today's lifestyles, today's, you know, um, economic climate, you know, it's a lot about adaptivity. I was reading um, some interesting things about how, you know, the way we used to do business and the way we used to um, covet knowledge, you know, we would educate ourselves and we would have this bank of knowledge and then we would draw off that bank of knowledge and dole it out, you know, and we would get a lot of mileage out of that. And that's sort of the model that uh, I think a lot of um, uh, garden centers, you know, operated from. That is not the climate today. You have to be quick on your feet. You have to adapt. You have to keep ahead of trends. You have to be ahead of trends. Mm. Um, and you have to engage with digital media. You have to advertise, but you also have to market. You know, marketing and advertising, you know, different different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do – I wrote an article for the Perennial Plant Association publication last year, I believe, about a year ago, on um, surviving in an ocean of big box stores. So the nursery that I ran uh, in the middle of Dallas was right in the middle of about 160 to 170 Home Depots and Lowe's, mm. right in the middle. You know, so um, if you look at those places that co- as competition, that's going to be a problem for you. you. You've got to really focus on your independent individual identity, but you've really, really got to push. And so it's not surprising to me that so many sort of mom and pop type nursery garden centers went out of business because, you know, they, they weren't... Um, either able or willing to adapt and bob and weave and, uh, you know, push the education and get involved with, with digital content and social media. It, you, you have to, or, or people will forget about you or they will never know about you in the first place. Well, again, you're in a place where you can garden longer year round. The... I have a 12 month gardening season year yes, round. Yeah. Well, year round. Hmm. yeah. Year <laughs> yeah. Which, which presents challenges because there is no break. There is no, you know, time to shut the nursery down and, you know, regroup for next yeah. season. There is no break, you know, it, it is, is so that in it, that can present a reverse set of challenges as well, you know, so but it's, gardening and, and landscape care are on the minds of normal people, consumers, sure. uh, because it's, as you said, it's year round. Uh, in other parts of the country where it's not year round, uh, it's not on the minds of people and they don't really, a lot of people are not, well, I'm, I'm finding fewer and fewer people are interested in gardening. Sure. Sure. And so how do you reach out to that group? 
Well, it's, it's interesting. I was having a friend, I was having a, a chat with another girlfriend of mine. I'm, I'm 40. I just turned 40. So I'm kind of, you know, right, right slab in that middle of the, the Gen X uh, group. And uh, we were talking about how, you know, our moms um, didn't necessarily pass along a lot of those homespun skills to us. They were physically doing them. So as kids of the 70s, you know, uh, my mother had a vegetable garden. So, so I come from being around somebody that garden, but she did it for economic reasons. It wasn't necessarily because she wanted to for pleasure. She was trying to stretch the the grocery budget. You know, mm. she was doing it for economic reasons and, you know, she cooked a lot at home for economic reasons. But I think women of that generation were also wishing that they could branch out of those duties, you know, on the cusp of a lot of uh, women coming into the workplace and women want women wanting to leave that work behind. And so a lot of my girlfriends and I, we didn't really get those skills passed on to us directly. We saw them doing it. They didn't really want to invest a lot of time in teaching us. And I have found that to be a common thread with a lot of people that I talk to. So we weren't necessarily, um, you know, brought up with the same appreciation. I actually grew up in Germany and, Mm. um, uh, and, you know, adopted uh, an Oma, adopted a grandma next door who had a big vegetable garden in the backyard and spent a lot of time with her doing that. And I, I, I think, you know, I had enough people along the way that were gardening that it made a strong impression on me, but I think that that's not common. So the trick is how do you now teach a whole new generation of people who didn't really grow up doing that to like something right well you know and and so you have to find the hot points and the hot points are you know being environmentally responsible doing something that you can be considered sustainable you know you know my my tagline is real foodies grow their own so i try to push that so if you're a foodie and, and you're into that then you know you should be trying to grow some of your own so the food gardening movement is a way to catch that but um we also have to adapt to small and maybe our industry really hasn't adapted quickly enough to the changing lifestyles or urban lifestyles of people um, to sort of make it attainable for them in a micro fashion, which is what I do a lot here in Dallas. I focus on how do you take an urban lot without a lot of space, grow a lot of your own food, have a tiny fruit orchard, have chickens, have bees. How can you do it all in a small space? So hmm. making that um, option accessible to people is, I think, another way that you can grab interest and attention well I, I think the foodies thing is great yeah. <laughs> and the green is good and uh, i'm not there's no net but coming up actually uh, I, I i like this list of things because sure. the i have a house in brooklyn new york and i also am speaking to you from my home in new jersey uh, mm-hmm. which is a little over two acres sure uh, but in the jealous <laughs> well it's, yeah on a more flood, space more work <laughs> on a floodplain and, there, I, there and I don't have enough sun too. It's in a valley, oh, that's, so that's a challenge. It's it is a challenge, but in this area which used to be rural, and there actually there's a lot of farms around here. But uh, what I see mostly is somebody hires someone to blow off the leaves, or they do right. it themselves. And they in this in the town, which is the county seat, I've seen one tree mulch correctly. Every tree <laughs> yes. has mulch up to like 18 inches up. It's his trunk and i've seen trees fall over because they give up their tap roots so educating here my goodness and i don't even well i guess people are are on social media and and that's that is really growing but uh and we had a flower local flower show here which was very well attended better than ever so you know maybe i'm just not 
in tune. <laughs> Maybe well, I'm I, behind. I think it's a combination of things. I mean, I, you know, definitely there is, um, you know, with, with people's lives, you know, they're busy. It's, it's, it's not necessarily high on their priority list uh, because anyone with a truck and a mower can call themselves a landscaper. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no um, licensing required for Ugh. that in, in most of the country. You know, that drags down perception of value. So that's something I focus on. So those just because somebody calls themselves a landscaper doesn't mean that they know what they're doing. And, and I, you know, it's rampant here in Dallas, you know, just because we've got a 12 month gardening season doesn't mean everybody does it right. It just, there's way more opportunity for them to do it wrong. Believe me. Mm. I mean, it's, I cringe, you know, um, just improper pruning, improper planting, improper mulching. I mean, you name it, it's rampant because there are a ton of so-called landscaping companies here, maintenance companies that come in, they're mowing goes essentially, but then they start taking on these other horticultural tasks that they don't really know how to do properly. And the public sees them doing that and assumes that's what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. I'll use the example of the dwarf yopon shrub here. Dwarfio ponds, planted en masse. They're all over the place here. Um, left alone to grow naturally, they make a nice, lovely sort of three-foot by three-foot mound. They're great for hedging, but they can really be left alone because they're so naturally dwarf. Mm-hmm. No, no. We have to come in with power tools, and we have to turn them all into tiny snowballs with about a foot and a half of space between every shrub. They do it to Nandinas. They do I mean, you name it. And I, when I talk to homeowners, when they finally realize that they're not really getting what they should be or something just is not right in their landscape, and I do work a little bit with residential homeowners, they'll ask me, well, is this – I mean, we assume this is the way that the shrubs are supposed to be pruned. You know, when they see the look on my face and I go into my, you know, I go into my lecture, they go, they say, thank you. I didn't know. It didn't seem right to me, but the guys I'm paying to do it were doing it. So I assumed that this was the way it was supposed to be. And so I think a lot of people are like that. They're they're not necessarily happy, but they don't know any better because they're not educated about how it's supposed to be done. And they don't know what questions to ask. So, um, you know, I, I think, again, that education component, I do a lot of teaching. You know, I just I try to reach out and touch people directly as much as I can to show them, you know, what's right and what's wrong. But but it's an ongoing process. I'm speaking with Leslie Halleck of Halleck Horticultural. We're talking. I'm listening <laughs> mostly and very excited about what you're saying. Now, you're a certified horticulturist. Is that correct? Yes, I'm a certified professional horticulturist. There is also a, a, another level called certified horticulturist, and that is through the American Society for Horticultural Science. Well, I think something like that, some kind of certification, some kind of, and I've and I've been criticized for this, but I think that, well, maybe it's hard because maybe the a whole certification thing could pop up that would be as bad as having a truck and putting up a sign. But right. it would be great if you if there was a board that certified horticulturist and was known to the public. And right. It, it... Well, and ASHS is is that board. But again, there are not a lot of people invested um, in spending a lot of time learning about horticultural science. So they're just not going to know about. In fact, um, I believe there are only maybe four of us here in Texas. Hmm. Just uh, you know, a handful nationally. Um, but part of that is that there are not necessarily a lot of real horticulturists out there. So it's not like that there are a ton of people that board could 
yeah. could certify, right. right? So, I mean, when you when you go through the Certified Professional Horticulturist Program, that is a board certification. So that's if, you know, you've got more credentials and more experience. And then they basically dig through your file and everything about you with a fine-tooth comb. Um, you know, you have to have so many hours of specific um, university education on specific topics. And then, you know, there are a bunch of benchmarks in terms of professional experience. So that's not a certification that anybody off the street could walk off, walk out and get. Right. Um, and the certified horticulturist is if you maybe haven't been in the industry as long, um, et cetera, you take a very extensive exam. That's not an exam that somebody off the street is going to be able to pass. So I do believe that there is a space for, um, certain certifications um, to at least grab the attention of the consumer. And they ask me, and that's what they do. And they look at my card, they say, oh, certified professional horticulturist. What? I've never heard of that before. What is that? And it intrigues them and they ask. And then when you explain it, it then means something to them. Yeah, and then guess great. what? They look for something like that when they're out hiring other services in the industry. Well, Leslie, we only have a few minutes okay. left, but I'd like to hear a little bit about your own garden. Oh, my own garden. Well, I um, I am what I call an urban farmer. So um, I'm fully invested in the front yard garden. So I don't have any turf in my front yard. It is all um, edibles and ornamentals. I do a lot of uh, edible landscaping, but I love my roses and I love my bulbs. I'm a bulb fanatic. So I basically, it's, it's, it's controlled chaos. So <laughs> I, I mean, you name it, it's in my front yard and you know what? It, it builds community. The neighbors stop. I mean, it really is a great educa educational opportunity for the neighborhood. Uh, my backyard is uh, my formal vegetable garden and my chicken coop. I also have uh, uh, some shade uh, beds back there, so I get to indulge in some hellebores and, and columbine and farfugiums, you know, which are fun. And then um, I, I have a mini uh, orchard. I call it Fruitopia. <laughs> um, a little side yard where I have some fruit trees and I keep my beehives. So um, I... I I kind of pack it all in. Uh, How big is the whole lot? Um, I think I have uh, the lot itself total, including the house, is about 10,000 square feet. I believe I have about uh, seven and a half. It's about 7,500 square feet of yard space. So um, if that translates. Mm. But it's split up into sections. So I'm, I, it, the house sits in the middle of the lot. So I ended up with sort of pieces and parts. I don't have a lot of large continuous space anywhere. So basically I had to look at my spaces and segment them. This is going to be my ornamental space. This is going to be my vegetable space and chicken space. And here are the bees. So, but it's actually worked out pretty well. I have, I have a lot of fun. Well, and you're doing the things that are really the most current things. The, uh, when I look online, the, the most response goes to the bees and the next thing is right. the chickens so right, right, uh, right. and i caused yeah. quite a ruckus here in dallas you know it's so <laughs> i am right in the middle of dallas and i did have quite a quite a run with the city of dallas over all this a few years ago um you know magically it, it's it's not been a problem at all for anybody in the city we have a ton of chicken keepers in dallas um and beekeeping is on the rise and and you know my goal is to just show people that even though you're in the city on an urban lot you can participate in these activities you can grow your own food you can do things that are environmentally responsible you don't have to live in the country well i think it's great what you're doing and i think you're doing it perfectly 
and uh, you're an inspiration to me. <laughs> Good. I try to be positive about it. I know there can be a lot of negativity right now, you know, in the industry, just in terms of struggling with that value and competition. But, you know, I just feel like you got to roll at it, you know, um, headlong and, and try to, you know, pick out the positives where you can right. and inspire people. You know, if you can inspire people, it gets them excited. You have to dig in. <laughs> you have to totally dig in. You really did. I'm really stubborn, so maybe that's why. You know, oh, were, are, were you born in April? I was born in December. I'm a Sagittarius. Oh, that's so. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've been speaking with Leslie Halleck of Halleck Horticultural, and we've learned so much, and I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. I really appreciate you inviting me. It's been really fun. Well, Leslie seems to be growing a lot more than food in her small uh Dallas lot. She's growing food for thought. And uh, we're all interested in promoting gardening, horticulture, the environment, green. And Leslie's doing that in a very modern way, using social media and promoting education in gardening and turning a lot more people onto the kinds of things we all should be doing right here on Ken Drew's Real Dirt, The Garden Show.